Good morning, church. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries this morning. It's great to be worshiping with you. Uh, for those of you in the auditorium this morning, would you please stand as you worship? Uh, for those of you who are tuning in online, I don't know which camera to ever look at, but it's great to see you. And thank you for tuning in and watching us here this morning. If you're a guest this morning, would you please stop by our welcome center? We'd love to get to know you, and we have a special gift for you.
is in the house of the Lord. Amen. Would you please send your neighbors this morning and greet one another? Maybe pass along a helpful, friendly advice or something. At least your name. Here we go. Cross you broken down, you're broken down. There were chains around us. By your grace we are no longer bound, no longer bound. You call me out of the grave, you call me into the light, you call my name and then my heart came alive.
have a seat. Welcome to Crossroads, everybody. Good morning. Good to be with you all. Welcome to all of us, those joining us on our our online campus, our online gathering this morning. It's good to be with you all. Listen, um, I've got two things I want to share with you that are coming up. Our fall kickoff is happening on the 13th of September, so I know everything is slowly ramping up, getting back on the schedule, and everything is, some of you have been rolling for a couple weeks maybe with school, I don't know, uh, but I know school's starting up, and so we are getting our Wednesday nights uh, kicking off on Wednesday the 13th. So at 6.30, starting on, when, on Wednesday, September 13th, there's going to be uh, there's gonna be something for men's, women's. There's also going to be a, there's a men's group, there's a women's group, there's also going to be kids ministry, and um, there's also going to be something for student ministry. So student ministry is going to be 5th and 6th grade, there's something for 7th and 8th grade, and then 9th through 12th grade on Wednesday night starting at 6.30 uh, here at Crossroads. So we'd love for you to come and get connected, and also it's a great place to grow, a place, a place to grow and understand more about Jesus, to grow in a community of people that love Jesus and can encourage you. And it's also just, it's a great time to just say, hey, listen, like I'm new, or maybe I haven't ever been on a Wednesday night. And so please come on, get it, come on out and get connected um, and grow with us here on September 13th at 6.30. And so we're looking forward to that kickoff. And then we're going to forward, we're going to jump ahead to December. So Ernie Haas is coming back, and we're looking forward to having Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. Yeah, come on now, that's good. Yeah, so the, thir- so the 14th and the 15th of December, so go ahead and get those dates on your calendar. We'll be sharing more information on how to get those tickets, and so uh, we're looking forward to having them back. They're great people, wonderful musicians. It's going to be a great, those are, each day is identical, so there's a show on the 14th and a show on the 15th. So come on out and uh, get those dates on your calendar. We look forward to seeing everybody in December. As we continue on this morning, would you all stand with me here in the house this morning? And uh, as we uh, continue on in our uh, gathering this morning, um, we're here to worship the Lord, right? We're here to worship God. We're here to focus on Him. And one of those ways is we give. And so, church, thank you for being faithful in giving. Thank you for being faithful in giving into the Lord, worshiping Him. And you can give online through the mail or using the offering boxes here at the church. Uh, but thank you guys so much for being faithful in giving into the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, you are our focus. And thank you for Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that we would be reminded of, of why we're here. We're here. We're here because we're in search of you. We're growing with you. Some of us are on the fence. We're not sure about this whole God thing. But, God, we know you're working in all of our lives. We know that you're, you're working in our hearts. And as we open up the Bible, as we open up your word, Holy Spirit, would you encourage our hearts? Would you lead us to the truth, your truth? God, we, we love you so much. We thank you for Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. generations falling down in worship sing the song of ages to the Lamb and all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb 
Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, Holy, all creation cries, Holy, you are lifted high, Holy, Holy forever.
We're continuing in on our series this week, The Exiles. Last week, we, um, we had the longest service we've ever had in the history of the church, right? That went till 12.30. I got up, I said, oh my goodness, the food's going to be cold, but it was well worth it, wasn't it? Let's thank God for what He did last week. Amen. So excited. This morning, we have another baptism that will be taking place at the end of our service, so I'm really excited about that today as well. So I know that uh, God just keeps blessing the church. We're seeing people continue to follow him. As we jump back into our series on exiles, you know, we've done this for a, a few weeks, and we took a couple weeks break here with, a couple, with our celebration Sunday. We had a missionary in, so we're jumping back into our study on First Peter. And as we do today, I'm, I'm reminded of this whole situation here of uh, how do we live for God? How, how do we, what are we supposed to do in the middle of a world that's upside down? This world is crazy right now. Everything that you look at, everything is sideways, everything that politically it's a mess, socially it's a mess, morally it's a mess, financially it's a mess. What are we supposed to do in a world like this? How are we supposed to live like that? Um, I'm reminded that it's a dark world. It really is. The world is a dark place right now. And the world has always been a dark place. And I want you to remember that it's always been dark. It just seems like it's getting a little bit darker out there, right? I get around people who will sometimes tell me, man, I just can't take this. The world, they feel like the world's coming to an end all the time. They feel like just because things are so bad, things are so overwhelming, how can, they, uh, how can we even continue to move forward? <clears throat> well, I'm reminded just a few weeks ago, I went on a, a little pastor's retreat here. I uh, got together with about 18 other pastors. You know, that's always fun. And they flew me out to um, Wisconsin. So I got up there to Wisconsin, and I went to this camp, and we had our little building. And then the rest was a, a high school band camp was going on. So you know, you know what I heard all day long? Anytime I went outside, ooh, 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 all you heard was them tuning all their instruments and all that stuff, and and click track, you know, all this timing. But uh, we had our we had our little our little gathering there, and so. But one of the interesting things is they said, all right, you're going to share a room with another pastor that you've never met before. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to go and share this room. So we have our little building and the bathroom's down the hall. So there's two beds in this, in this room. And so I go in and my, my plane had gotten there late, so I'm the last one to get in. So uh, I'm, I'm over there. I go throw my stuff in and, uh, and then it's like, it's time to go to sleep. I'm like, okay, there's just one problem. This guy wants the lights off whenever we sleep, right? Most people do. So it's like, how am I going to see to get to the bathroom? Because you're in a new environment, it's like, and that's what happens. When you hit that 50 thing, that's what happens. You have to get up every couple hours and go to the bathroom, right? So like 2 in the morning, I know pretty much that's when the alarm clock goes off inside of me. i got to go to the bathroom, right? So 2 in the morning, I know I'm going to get up. So, I, I mean, he shut the lights off. This guy was from Harrisburg. I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm like, all right, that's enough. You know, we got to figure this thing out, right? And, uh, and, and it's pitch dark. And I'm like, I can't even see my toes, yet alone in the bathroom, right? So I, uh, I go over to the window and had some Venetian blinds. And I just turned it and cracked it a little bit. And there was enough light from a light outside that shone through and kind of put a, uh, a little bit of light on across to the way to where the door was, just enough that I could see it so that whenever I get up, I could go and make my journey to the bathroom. So it didn't bother him. It didn't get in his eyes, but it wasn't like I slept with a light on and all that, you know. And so here's, here's my deal. I knew that there would be trouble. I knew that it would be dark. I knew I'd be in a strange environment. I knew that if I didn't make a plan to how to deal with this, I would be tripping and falling. So I needed to have some light because, A, I know I needed to go to the bathroom at 2 in the morning. 
And B, I knew that I didn't want to trip up and end up in somebody else's bed. That would be really embarrassing, right? You know, here I am on a pastor's retreat, and you're falling, you know, falling and getting somebody else. You know, uh, that just would not be fun, right? So, so I said, i got to figure this out. So I, when I go to this place, when you go to a hotel, man, that's what I figure out. I look at, all right, how are we going to navigate this situation here? So I'm in this room with this pastor, and we were able to navigate that situation. So I, it was a dark place. And I had to figure out, how am I going to navigate in the darkness? Because I still got to function. I still got to go, even though there's, uh, there's, I still have to move forward and do life, even though it's dark. And so the same is true for our life. This world is dark, folks. This world is incredibly dark. It's an overwhelming situation in our world right now. And people are out there, they're looking at us as though we are some stranger, some foreigner in our own land. Oh, yeah, there's the, there's, there's the exiles. We are the exiles. We are the strangers and foreigners here on this world because we have a value system that is so much differently, and we're trying to walk so much different than the world. So what we're going to do is we're going to look into this scripture today and find out how do we walk in the dark? How do you prepare? How do you prepare whenever you're going to walk in the dark? 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. As you're looking at this this morning, we're talking about how we're going to live in the darkness, how we're going to function out there in the darkness. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, growing up in Scotland many, many, many years ago, he tells a story of whenever he grew up in Scotland, he would watch as they would go out and the lamplighters would go up and lamp, uh, light the torches uh, for the streetlights. So it would be, they'd go up and they would light these torches and They'd take a ladder and they'd go up and they'd climb it. And he would talk about this and he was fascinated with it. And one, one day his parents came over and they saw his fascination looking out the window as he would watch the, the, the routine of these guys go up and, and, uh, and they would go light these things. And his dad said, well, what, what are you looking at today, son? And he said, Dad, they're punching holes in the darkness. And that's exactly what we're going to do in our world. We're called to punch holes in the darkness. We're going to go out there, we're going to put light but we've got to punch holes in the darkness. And how do we do that? Well, Peter tells us how to do it. First of all, he tells us to prepare your mind. Prepare your mind. That's the first thing in your notes this morning. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be sober-minded. Prepare your minds. The, uh, the Greek word there for preparing your mind, that's, this translation is translated over as prepare your mind for action. In the Greek, it is literally this idea of girding your loins. Gird the loins of your mind. Now you say, well, what in the world does that mean, to gird the loins of your mind? It's almost a little uncomfortable to even say it, isn't it? Gird your loins, okay? So let me uh, explain this to you here. What would happen in Bible times is uh, the men would quite often wear a tunic. It'd be, their clothing was like an outer flowing robe. It would be a tunic. And as these men wore the tunic, 
that would kind of get in their way. So, but whenever you're going on something leisurely, that's not a problem. But whenever you were going to travel or you're going to go to work, they would have to gird their loins. They'd have to pull, pull that cloth up so it didn't get in the way. Uh, similarly, like whenever I do a wedding here, the, this is a fun place to do a wedding because we have steps. And uh, invariably, I will tell them, the bride and the groom, whenever we're rehearsing, hey, we have steps. Now, remember, tomorrow she's going to have a dress on. She's going to have shoes, heels, and all that. So you got to know, come up here, take your time. And so they go through rehearsal. She doesn't have that dress on. She's got a pair of jeans on. She's got a, some other dress, but not the wedding dress, right? Oh, no problem. So what happens on the wedding day? Da, 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 da. They come down the aisle. The groom comes down, and he starts to pick her up. Not pick her up, bring her up. <laughs> starts to bring her up, and as he starts to bring her up, what does she do? But she trips on her own gown. And everybody in the congregation goes, <gasps> and they all feel it, right? Then she hands her flowers off, and one of the, one of the bridesmaids takes the flowers, and she takes this gown, and she goes, and she lifts it up like this, and she marches up these steps. Why? She had to gird her loins, right? She had to pull that up. And so, so because she didn't want to fall down on the steps. And, uh, and that's happened more than once, more than one occasion I've seen that happen here in this church. But let, let, me, let me give you just a little bit more about girding your loins here. Prepare your minds for action. Uh, I found this. This is from a, a men's ministry. I thought it was pretty good. How to gird your loins. This is a little comical cartoon for you. Step by step here how to do this. Number one, the tunic would not allow you to do heavy labor or fight in battle, necessitating the girding of one's loins. First, hoist the tunic up so that all the fabric is above your knees. This will give you mobility. Next slide. Gather all the material in front of you so that the back of the tunic is snug against your backside. Once the excess fabric is gathered in front, pull it underneath and between your legs to your rear. This feels much like a diaper. Next slide. Gather half of the material in each hand and bring it back around to the front. Finally, tie your two hands full of material together, and you're all set for both battle and some hard labor. Um, go forth, but be men, and gird up your loins. Now, I want you to catch this, because girding your loins requires intentionality, and it requires time, requires a commitment. You know, if it's just gird your loins and you just kind of read over that, prepare your minds for action. What is he saying? He's saying, look, you are going out into a dark world. You are the exiles. You have got to prepare your mind. Folks, the mind is where the battle is fought. For years, people have thought that the battle was fought out here with a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's not where the battle is fought. It is fought in the mind. The mind precedes every action. So Peter tells us here to prepare your minds for action. We are by nature. Now check this out. By nature, our inner self, our mind is unorganized. By nature, we're prone to accept whatever comes our way. We're prone to come to the next feel good, make me feel good, whatever's happening, whatever's most comfortable for me. Uh, and and we, 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 are tend, we tend to be in the moment. And so that's an unorganized inner self. 
And so what we have to do is we have to tighten up the belt, the, tighten up the gird your loins, pick up that of our mind and tighten it up with the belt of truth. So the belt of truth must be uh, tight around our mind and so that there's nothing that we will trip on. So by nature, we are unorganized in ourself. We are, sen- we are not sensitive to eternal values. So as you are growing in Christ, what God wants us to do is to become sensitive to eternal values. When we become a believer, this is one of the first things that we do. You're now becoming sensitive. You see that there is something else in life outside of you, uh, outside of your own fleshly desires, outside of anything that you want. It's all about Jesus now. And so this is a term of readiness. It's not just about what I want. It's like, okay, I have a mission. Why do I have to gird up my, my loins of my mind? Why do I have to protect my thoughts? Uh, when they wanted to work, they would, they would take this and they would gird their loins for, for labor to get something down and for travel. So in, in your life, if you're going to live aimlessly, you don't gird your loins. You don't, you don't protect your mind. You don't prepare it for action. You just say, well, whatever's next. I'm just going to be happy. And you know what? You'll be happy with the things that aren't glorifying God. Because you're just going to go aimlessly. But whenever we live with a purpose, when we live with intentionality and we live with direction, this is because we are new creatures inside. We are now the children of God. I have a new way to live. I have a new calling in life. And my new calling in life is to honor and glorify God in all that I do to make disciples who will make disciples along the journey to follow the commission and the commands that Jesus gave us. Uh, When you gird up your loins, you're going to be able to endure. This summer I celebrated, my wife and I celebrated 30 years, uh, our 30-year wedding anniversary. Isn't that great? Yeah. So, uh, and I'll tell you what, that, you don't, you don't celebrate 30 years without girding your loins. Okay? You had to gird the loins of your mind. Man, I'll never forget whenever we were first started dating, man, you know, I had to, I said, there's a new direction in my life. There's a new day. Man, Rhonda was the new day. She was going to join me on my life journey. I mean, what a joy and a privilege that was. And some of you were around back then. You remember, like, I became a different man. I was all happy all of a sudden, you know. It's like, I got this woman who's going to join me for the rest of my life. But what I had to do was I had to, I had to, had to guard my loins. I had to, had to protect my mind and say, okay, Lord, there's a new direction. And so as we did that, we have guarded the loins of our mind for 30 years. And we're still guarding the loins of our mind. Because whenever you guard the loins of your mind, you will be able to endure. Why is it that some people are able to make it spiritually and others don't? Well, this is one of the secrets right here. You've got to guard your mind. You have to protect it. And you know what? We don't allow the things that are going to be off of God's agenda, off of God's plan, to come in and entertain our thoughts. Because that's where it all starts right there. So you have to guard your your mind. And and as we do this, you'll have that that endurance. Don't become a puppet. Don't become a puppet of circumstances. Man, you know, life's circumstances are bad. They're terrible. God never called a Christian to live under the circumstances. What are you doing under the circumstances? He rose from the dead. We're not under the circumstances. We have an eternal home, an eternal future. And, and by the way, uh, Peter says here, he says, Therefore, verse 13, Therefore, prepare your minds. 
When you see the word therefore, key theological principle. Ask yourself, what's it there for? And you go back and you read the verses 12 that we just studied the last month there. We took four weeks and went through 12 verses. It says you have a living hope. You have a future. You have the the God of the universe. He saved your soul. You're his people. You you are somebody that is different. You are not like the rest of the world. And so as you begin to understand this, you don't live as a puppet of your circumstances. Simply put, we're to get our minds ready. We're to get our minds ready to pull in all the loose ends of your thinking and to get rid of anything that would hinder you from the movement forward to what God's called us to do. Gird up your line, uh, your loins. And then he says there, he says, be sober-minded. You know, when you think sober, you think the opposite, drunk. Drunk versus sober, right? So he's not just talking here about not being drunk. He's talking about your mind being one of self-control. When somebody's drunk, they have no control. When somebody's sober, they have control. And so he's taking this a step clearly here, a step different here, and he's saying not just to be that you're not drunk. He's saying let your mind, if you have a new course in life, you have a new action, let your mind be held captive to the thoughts of Jesus Christ. Let your mind have, let you have the same mind that is in Jesus Christ. Be sober-minded. Behavioral scientists tell us that our subconscious minds have a profound impact on your actions. It's nothing new. Proverbs told us that many years ago. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so our mind is the battleground for spiritual warfare. Our mind is the battleground for all things that are happening. You come and you trust Christ as your Savior. Now God says the next step, you've got to guard your mind. So as we guard our mind, we gird up the loins. We say we're not going to allow these things to, to trip us up. We've got to begin to think clearly. Begin to think clearly about who Jesus is, about your, your purpose in life. Man, God didn't just leave you here to be aimlessly wondering and, and doing whatever in your life so that you know, you'll feel good. Man, that's, that's a short-lived thing if all you're supposed to do is feel good. He's given you a plan and a purpose to have eternal value. Listen, after I die, now this is so cool, and same for you. After we die, what we have done here can have eternal value. Now, many things that we do doesn't have eternal value. Cutting my grass. Buying a bigger home. Those are fun, but those are all going to burn up. But let me tell you what happens whenever you invest in somebody else's soul. Whenever you love your wife the way that God's called us to love our wives. The way that you invest in your kids. The way you look at your grandkids. The way that you look at this community. You know, after I'm gone, I pray that there will be eternal value for my life that I've had here on earth. And you know, it won't happen because I'm looking for the bigger, better, best. It won't happen because I'm always thinking about myself. It will only happen by spending time with God and impacting other people's lives. Because there's, there's a few things that we can, we can only do here on earth that we can't do in heaven. And one of them is to tell people about Jesus. Because in heaven they already know about him. 
He'll be there face to face, and we'll be worshiping him face to face. But man, we've got to go out. So we've got to think clearly. Uh, I, and, you know, I think we, we, ha- we have to keep understanding that this is the inner self. We've got to look at our inner self, our mind. This is where it all starts. Because before you look at the outer self, nothing, you can't change the outer until you change the inside. Remember years ago, we were, we did a camp here when I was in high school, and there was a book that was real famous. It was called Inside Out. And Jim Watts had us buying t-shirts, and we all wore these t-shirts and sweatshirts and said, Inside Out. And boy, that was our theme for the longest time. Why? Because we want God to change us from the inside out. Not just mere outward conformity, but a true lasting change. See, lasting change comes from the inside. Neil Armstrong, when he landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong said this in 1969, July 20th, 1969. He said, one small step for man and one giant step for mankind. Uh, the, in the days to come after that, the, the, the papers reported that we have conquered outer space. And they were so thrilled. But let me tell you, we may have conquered outer space, but we still need to work with the inner space. We've got to learn to conquer the inner space. So, so we are to think clearly. We're to think uh, morally decisive. Think about the, the actions that we're going to do. How do we live? Think full of hope. That's the next thing he tells us to do is to think full of hope. Oh, I love that. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're to think with hope. Man, I'm, you know, this is really discouraging sometimes when I get around Christians who are only messed up about the political climate of our world, the social climate, and the moral climate. God didn't call us to be messed up over this stuff. We're called to be full of hope. Yeah, it's bad out there, but let me tell you, I'm not running the race for who's next in the White House. I'm running the race for who's at the end of the finish line. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is waiting there. And you know what I want to hear him say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Listen, if you put your hope in the White House, that'll give you four years. That's it. And then you got to do it again. Listen, the, the, the governments who do not know God cannot provide for you. Only God is your provider. And it's not just our government. It's around the world. Man, I was talking with Ecuador, my friends in Ecuador. They're, they're struggling down there, man. We, we were just there. You heard all that good news last week. They had uh, one, one of their political candidates was assassinated. And I said, oh, my goodness. And Daniel's like, well, don't make a big deal because I want your people to come back. I was like, okay, we're, com- we're coming back, Daniel. We're coming back, you know. He's, uh, but, but I was watching this on the news, and, and I said, well, Daniel, was it anywhere near where we were at? He goes, no, 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 it's far away. I said, okay, good. <clears throat> but let, let me tell you, the world is bad. But we are the hope dealers. We are the purveyors of hope, and we get to go out and be full of hope, the scripture says. And so I want to encourage you. Yeah, it is bad out there. Yeah, let's go out and make a difference out there. Let's do what God's called us to do, but we have a higher calling than four more years or four less years, whatever. I don't know. My point is you have a higher calling than anything that could happen. You have a higher calling than Wall Street. You have a higher calling than 
than, uh, than anything this world has to offer, and that is the, the finish line with Jesus Christ. So Peter says here, you know, in verse 8, Peter had said, you haven't seen him, yet you love him, yet you rejoice. And so Peter had saw him, but you hadn't seen him. And so I want to encourage you, while we can't see him, we are still running the race. And one day my life will stand before God and my prayer is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, in order for that to happen, we have to deal with distractions. Distractions can really destroy us. You know, here, here you are. You're trying to raise your family. You're trying to love God. You're trying to love people, do what he's called us to do in the word. And then distractions happen. Life happens. The world's upside down. All these things, right? So you got, it could be a health crisis. There's all kind of things that can distract. I've got to keep my eyes on the finished prize, the revelation of Jesus Christ. When one day I will see him face to face. That's my eternal value. Not my bank account. Not my health record. My, my eternal value right there is Jesus Christ. And so we've got to not get distracted. It's so easy, folks. We live in a world where things are right in front of us to get distracted, distracted. Now, I'm not suggesting that you don't go do fun things. I'm not suggesting that you don't have a nice bank account. That's up to you. You work hard to do that. But my point is don't let that be your overarching goal of life. Let your overarching goal of life become the finish line of Jesus Christ. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Man, I love that thought. One day I'm going to be with him face to face. Distractions can destroy us. I've uh, watched many people through the years set out to start the journey of Jesus Christ, and they get distracted. They get distracted by, well, I just can't do that. They get distracted by, well, you know, I'm just not as strong as he or she is. They get distracted by so many things. Matt Emmons, in the 2004 Olympics, Matt Emmons, he held a commanding lead in the 50-meter Olympic rifle final. Honing to the dead center of the target, he gently squeezed the trigger. The bullet, was, uh, the bullet pierced the bullseye. He was sure that he had just won his second Olympic gold medal. Then, wait a minute, wait a minute, no score came up on the, on the board. So he's uh, hollering, to the, hollering to the officials, what's happened here, what's happened here? And what happened was that Matt Emmons had taken his rifle, and he was in lane number three, and he shot the target in lane number two. He got distracted. Matt Emmons went from being what he was going to be, his second gold medal, to zero points, totally devastated. Folks, this is what happens to us in the Christian life. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God. Oh, and we just miss the mark. We, we just, we just, we're like ready to go. And, and what I want to ask you today is, are you focused on the right target? Certainly being a good dad is part of that for me. Certainly being a, a, a healthy pastor. Certainly leading a healthy church. All those things are part of it. But let me tell you, the goal I've got to keep my eyes faced on is that finish line when Jesus says, one day. You know what, folks? Your kids won't remember half the toys you bought them. 
I say they won't remember any of it. And we sweat so much over these kids. I'm not saying don't buy your kids toys. I bought my kids toys all the time. I remember them. I saved them. Kara has these beanie babies. Remember those? Is that what they were, beanie babies? What were they? Uh, Webkins. Webkins, all right? Webkins. And I have saved them. They are in my basement in a storage bin. Why? Because I'm going to be a millionaire off them one day. <laughs> one of these days, I'm cashing in. Every now and then, I pull up eBay to see what they're selling for, you know? But let me tell you, those were so big. Whenever Kara was a little girl playing softball, her and Taylor Slagle, remember, used to go get your webkins, and we'd go buy these things. And, they, and it was like, oh, you know, just daddy's little girl. She wanted that. I'd be like, oh, honey. My wife's like, we don't have the money. I said, oh, we'll be all right. Let's get it for her, right? And now they've impacted her life so much that they're under the Christmas decorations. Right by the leak in the garage. <laughs> and let me tell you, folks, don't get distracted. Oh, I've got webkins. I've got all kinds of stuff in that garage. But let me tell you, don't let that stuff distract you. Don't let that stuff distract you. You know what? When you come to the end of your life, should I say the end of your parents' life, they're not going to remember the toys. You won't remember the toys that your parents did for you. You'll remember how they invested in you as a human being. And folks, the best way I know to do that is with Jesus Christ. They won't remember the sports. I've got trophies all over that basement, webkins all over that basement, and now they're all in what I call the has-been because that was a day. And we gave so much energy to that. But let me tell you, I asked the Lord to help me as I was raising those kids. Give them a focus. God, focus their life that they too will see the finish line. It's not a big house. It's not a successful career. It's not all these things that our culture signs to it, but it's that Jesus Christ says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're to think full of hope. Think full of hope. Think clearly. Next, I want to encourage you is to shape your conduct. The scripture tells us here to shape your conduct. Verses 14 and 15. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. How do we do that? We say, first of all, say no to your past. Your past, you've got to say no to your past. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us what our past was. It says, you once were, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. And we used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And so here's my life before, and now following Christ. What does Peter do? Peter has to come and he has to remind these followers of Jesus Christ. 
to put this away. As obedient children, never associate the holiness of God without a relationship. If you bring up the holiness of God without a relationship, you've missed it. And I think many times in my life, well-meaning people through the years when I was younger talked to me about the holiness of God but did not connect it to the obedience to the relationship of a father and son. You know, whenever those kids were little and they wanted those Webkins, man, they would do whatever it would take for those toys, right? They loved to make dad happy. And still, even into your adult years, you know what you like to do for your parents? You like to see favor from your parents, don't you? You love to see your parents smile. And sometimes it hurts us because we can't even make our parents smile, right? So that, that is a hard thing for us at times to, to swallow and work through. But let me tell you, you've got the Heavenly Father. As you live for Him, He is beyond thrilled. And he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Say goodbye to those things. If you're going to walk in the dark, you're going to punch holes in the darkness is what we've got to do. So we've got to go out there and punch holes in the darkness. Say no to the past. Um, Years ago, we used to have the little statement. It says, garbage in, garbage out. Remember that? And let me tell you, that is so true because the mind, when you put garbage in, it doesn't necessarily come out right away, but it eventually comes out. If you're walking in darkness in your mind, eventually it will come out. You'll be walking in darkness in life. So simply put, there are things that you used to do, things that you used to go, places you used to go, uh, activities that you were once involved with, attitudes and actions that you once held that you now say no to. Why? Because you're an obedient child of God. And as an obedient child of God, you understand the relationship. As obedient children to God, you not only say no to the world, and by the way, I want, want to encourage you, no is a spiritual word. No is a spiritual word. When somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I've got some juicy gossip. No. That's it. Just no. Hey, would you do this? The answer is no. You know why the answer is no? Because I'm running a different race. People through the years, listen, I have been highly involved in this community. My life, people know me out there. They, some of them don't even know I'm a pastor. And I have been in the fibers of this community. And let me tell you, I've had every temptation brought to me. And you know what the answer is? No. Now, I don't say it like that. I say, no, thank you. No, thank you. Why? Because I want them to join the race with me. I want them to one day be on the same race with Jesus at the finish line. Right now, their finish line is that I feel good tonight. Their finish line is that I make it through the weekend. If I just make it through, if I can make it to Friday, then I can party, right? And you know what? I got many friends like that. It's okay. I still love them. But for me joining, the answer is no. Why? Because I'm, I'm running a different race. You can't say no to your past till you say yes to Jesus. You can't say no to your past till you say yes to Jesus. So I'll go back to the marriage illustration. 30 years. So 30 years ago on this very spot, I, I pledged my love and my commitment to my wife. 
for I mean, for a lifetime, right? So here, that was 30 years ago. So what I had to do was I had to say no to my past. There was a lot of things in my past, right? Like there was hundreds of women wanting to talk to me all day long. <laughs> had to say no, right? Had to say no. I couldn't go to lunch with just anybody anymore. I couldn't even spend a dollar without her knowing what was going on. Like, I had to say no to my past. My whole world changed. Why? Because I was running a different race now. And I haven't looked back. Man, we've had to gird our loins. We, we gird it. Why? Because I'm looking at a different race now. And so here's what happens in your spiritual life, folks. When you say no to Jesus, if you're just, I'm saying, when you say no to your past, if you're just saying no to your past, that's called legalism. And then somehow, if I am a better person, if I do better, if I somehow have a cleaner life, that God will be happy. But God says, no, I want you to say no to that and yes to me. And this is, this is where it gets really powerful. Um, he says here, be holy as, as the one who called you is holy. You also be holy in all of your conduct. So all of your life. Shape your conduct. There it is. All of your conduct. Um, Isaiah 6.3 the, the angels are crying out, and Isaiah sees this vision. He sees that they were calling to the one, to, to one another, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is His, and full of His glory." Like the angels didn't cry, "Love, love, love." They didn't cry, "Just, just, just." They didn't cry, you know, "Power, power, power." They cried, "Holy, holy, holy." And now here's the thing. Whenever you think of holiness, that word scares you a lot. It scares you a lot because you say we're not holy. But when Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin, he has made you holy. You have the holiness of God and the righteousness of God. He, when, when we die, we will not stand in the white throne judgment. We will stand before God in another judgment, which we're going to see here in just another minute. But I want you to think about holiness as being whole. Uh, the word holy means set apart. And for us, we come and we, we associate what is the most different set apart about God from us is that we're sinners and he's not. He's perfect. But let me tell you, there's even more than that to the word holy. It is his otherness. He is magnus. As a matter of fact, they didn't, the angels didn't even cry, sinless, sinless, sinless. They cried, holy, he is so set apart. He is so different. He is so different than any other creature because all other creatures were created by him. He is so worthy of our worship. He is holy. He is perfect, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. He is holy. We sang the song this morning, holy, holy forever. He will always be who he is, and I will always be his child. Amen? We are His children. He's created us in His likeness. You know, if you try to, try to do this on your own, it's like the guy who came to America from a third world country and went back home. And uh, he, he came to New York City and noticed all the lights. So he loved the lights. He said, I'm going to buy, buy some of these lights and take them back. So he goes back into his jungle village with a bunch of lights. He's got light bulbs. He's got wires. He's got a switch. And he... He wires them all up and he tells everybody, wait till you see what I got in America. Wait till you see what I brought home from New York City. And so as dark comes, he tells them all, come on back, you're going to see this. So they all come back and he flips the switch and nothing happens. 
He had no power. Oh, he did everything right. They were wired, but no power. And folks, this is what happens in your spiritual life. You've got to have the power of God. We have to guard our minds. We have to shape our conduct. But it's got to be shaped through the power of Jesus. And then lastly in your notes here today is to, um, to become more like Jesus. To become more like Jesus. Verse 15, and he who has called you is holy. You also be holy in all of your conduct since it is written. And here he quotes Leviticus 11:44. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves without fear throughout the time of your exile. And then verse 18, he goes into this. He says, knowing that you were ransomed. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But I want you to catch this because knowing as it is written, here's what, here's what I want to encourage you to do, folks. Set some convictions of your heart. I conv- you, know, you can be a believer without conviction. The next step of growth is to become a believer with conviction. You say, all right, I really believe that this is God's will. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And I have conviction. Why? Why is it easy for me to say no to so many things? Because I have the conviction of God. Not a guilt trip, not a rules, nothing that the church ever gave me. There's things that I won't do that none of, that I have some other pastor friends that, that question why am I that way. I say it's because I am convicted by God and his word that this is the way I should live. And folks, I want to encourage you to form convictions because one day we will stand at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Oh, we won't stand at the great right throne judgment seat. Because uh, at the great right throne, that's where it's heaven or hell. And we already know the cross took care of that for us. Amen? I have been declared righteous. I am holy. I am a saint. I have been forgiven. Amen? Thanks be to God for that. So let's celebrate that this morning, folks. Celebrate that. But let me tell you, what you do with your day matters. God didn't save you so you could just go home and watch Oprah the rest of your life. He wants you to go out and make a difference. He wants you to run the race. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And he's at the finish line waiting. And we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The judgment seat that we will sit at is the one that talks about how you handled your time. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. So do not make judgments about anyone ahead of time. You know, it's so easy for me to look at somebody and question their motives. He says, don't do that before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Folks, I want to encourage you. Go meet with the Lord. This is the action step. Go meet with the Lord and set some convictions. Grow your convictions. Say, Lord, change me. God, what is it that I'm... Help me to say no to yesterday and yes to you, Lord. God, help me with these convictions. Grow me. Grow my inner man from the inside out. And watch what God will do. He will change your life dramatically. And so, folks, we've got some in here that are going off to college. My message to you young people going off to college, gird your mind. Set your course. 
Listen, when I was in college, I faced lots of temptations. You young people going to college, you'll face lots of temptations. They're going to come to you and say, well, you go to this party. Oh, it doesn't matter. You're away from your parents. It's just one night. It won't matter. Folks, it will matter. It will destroy your life. And I beg you and I plead with you young people as you go off to college, take God's word and don't, don't go out there and become holier than thou, but do go out there and let this guide your life. Let God change your life. Amen? Young people, your school's starting. We've got high schools that are starting, elementary schools. Parents, you're going to be interacting with people all over the place. Let's go out. Let's gird our minds, shape our conduct, and become more like Jesus. Why? Because the world out there needs it. And let's go and let's do this for Jesus. I'm excited. We've got a young man going to get baptized here in just a few moments. His life has been totally changed by Jesus. Amen? So let's pray. We're going to sing, and then please remain for the, um, for the baptism. Father God, we come before you, Lord. I thank you for the power of your word. God, this is so exciting. We get to be holy as you are holy. Oh, God, thank you, first of all, that you have declared me righteous in your sight, God. Thank you that I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, God, I pray you'll help each person as we say no to yesterday and yes to Jesus. And you'll change us from the inside out. God, do what only you can do. And we'll give you the glory. God, thank you for for Jeremy getting baptized today. And we so look forward to what you're going to do in his life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open the gates of let the glory come down. Open our hearts and let our worship pour out. Open the gates and let the glory come down. Open our hearts and let our worship pour
what he's doing. I love what you said. You feel like God just keeps pulling you here, right? And I love that. God just keeps pulling him to himself, and I love that. And I explained to him that's the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, just pulling him unto himself. And then uh, his dear wife, uh, Skylar, she said, you know, I was baptized as a little kid, but I would, I'm really growing in my faith. I'd like to do this with my husband. I said, well, let's do this. So we're going to baptize these folks today. Amen? Amen. Let's... So, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you, have you opened your heart? Uh, we need the lights on here. Is the lights on? All right. Um, have you opened your heart to Jesus Christ and made your walk with him personal? Yes. All right. So he's opened his heart to trust Jesus. Upon your profession of faith and obedience to the Lord's command, I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. I love it. All right. This is Skylar. We love you, Skylar. And Jeremy is just a beautiful couple. And Skylar, I know that you've been following Christ for a long time, but I'm going to ask you again. Have you made your faith personal with Jesus Christ? You've trusted him as your personal Savior. Based upon your profession of faith and obedience to the Lord's command, I now baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. I hug each other. I love it. Look out there and wave hi to everybody. All right, God bless, man. All right, we're so thankful for these young folks as they're giving their heart and family to God. We just look forward to great days ahead. Let's stand together and be dismissed. God bless you and have a great day.